0: Welcome to Incandescent Tarot, a podcast exploring how to integrate tarot and spirituality with everyday life. I'm your host, Gina Wisotsky. Join me as we tackle big questions like how to work with intuition, just why the tower is so intimidating, and what it means to develop a spiritual practice in this wild modern world. Hello, lovely listeners. This is such the perfect time to be recording an intro for this very special interview and Halloween themed podcast episode. We are getting the tail end of Tropical Storm Zeta right now in Durham, and so it is really, really spooky looking outside. The sky is this ominous gray, we're getting uncharacteristic wind coming through the trees, all the leaves are falling. It is looking really like next level advanced fall. And I'm feeling very, very in the mood (laughs) to be sharing this interview with the wonderful Lucas Taylor, in which we are talking a lot about spooky things, about ghosts growing up in New England, the magic of place, ancestral connections. There's just so much that we go into here. And lest it sound too mysterious and intense, this is also a very light-hearted romp of a conversation. Lucas is a dear friend of mine and has so much wisdom and energy to share around tarot and spirituality. So this was a joy to record, and I am really, really excited to be sharing it with you all. I hope you're enjoying these last days of October. It's a really special time of the year, and I have to admit that with coronavirus, with the impending election, and all the stress connected to that, I almost didn't really go with my true nature and make some celebratory plans. It was almost like a wake-up moment where I was like, Gina, who are you? What have you been doing? How do you not have 60 gourds strewn about your house? What what are you even doing with your days? A lot of stress (laughs) and a lot of work and some wonderful things too. But yesterday I snapped out of it and made a trip to the store and got those gourds, got some dried flowers, got some some autumnal roses. And so in the next couple of days, I'm going to be setting up my fall altar, getting my ancestors out for Samhain, and who knows who knows what else I'll be doing, but. I've definitely snapped out of it. And really, life is too short to not enjoy the holidays and the seasons you love the most. So I hope you're making the most of this time, and I'd love to hear about what your plans are, too. We have a nice little discussion going on over at the Incandescent Tarot Mighty Networks. So if you want to jump in and join in on it, head over. If you're not already a member, it's completely free. It's basically my answer to Instagram. (laughs) When I quit social media, I still wanted a place to share things, but I wanted to get out of that rat race and cleanse my brain of all the advertisements. So all you have to do is join. It's totally free, and it's just a collection of posts that you can peruse, contribute to. There's some lovely people on there. So, hop on over. You can also find it on my website under the community tab. But that's enough about me. Let's introduce this fantastic guest. So, Lucas Taylor is an amazingly talented tarot reader. He's also an avid deck collector, and you can find him on Instagram at Brightleaf Tarot. I highly recommend giving his account a follow. He gives really refreshing, insightful readings and has a wonderfully intuitive style. Plus he takes great photos. So you can see a lot of his extensive deck collection featured on there too. In this talk, Lucas and I go real far back, even though we met here in Durham, we're both from New England, so we talk about that region's connection to spirituality, to ghosts, and what it was like growing up there. Lucas shares his experience coming into contact with tarot for the first time, getting his first deck. We theorize about the magic of puberty, why it is that so many of us are drawn to the magical arts during that time of life. We also swap some of our favorite ghost stories from our lives, as well as our ideas around hauntings and ghosts. What's happening there? What are they? We don't reach any conclusions, but it's interesting nonetheless. And then we talk about tarot and what reading is like. Lucas gives some really amazing advice for aspiring readers to people who are just picking up the cards. And... It is just a heartwarming, engaging, and fun conversation all around. I do hope you enjoy. And stay tuned after the episode for our first installment of Ask a Tarot Reader. In this episode, we have a great question from a listener, Ruby, who asks about repeat cards, otherwise known as stalker cards, and what it means when they keep on showing up in our personal readings. If you'd like to ask a question of your own for the next episode, head over to incandescenttarot.com slash ask a tarot reader. Enjoy. I'm so excited to introduce my dear friend and very talented tarot reader, Lucas Taylor, to the podcast today. Welcome, Lucas.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: So I've known Lucas for a while now. and a few years. It's pretty crazy. I mean, we've had so many tarot adventures together. And we're also coincidentally, we met here in North Carolina, but we're from the same area of Western Massachusetts. So we immediately bonded over the strangeness of that region. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really oh, fun yeah. having you on today, um, particularly around Halloween, which is like such a New Englandy holiday and really oh, totally. one of my favorites. So... Just introduce yourself a little bit, Lucas. Tell us about your journey, how you found tarot and, you know, how you would sort of best describe your spiritual practice right now.
1: Sure. Um, I feel like my story sounds a little cliche, so I apologize in advance. But um, yeah, I was, I think, about 12 and uh, we went to the Salem Witch Museum and I love a gift shop. <laughs> and um, they had tarot cards, and I asked my dad, "Could we get those?" Um, and he he was like, "No, no, no, we're not buying those because your grandmother has a deck, so we'll just get it from her." And so on the drive back home from from Salem, you know, I'm like all pumped up. Tell me all. Grandma has tarot cards. Like, tell me more. He's like, "Well, you know, her sister was actually a tarot card reader, or sorry, her um cousin." And so her cousin used to do tarot card readings all the time. This was like one of the main things she did. And when she passed away, my grandmother inherited the the deck. So um, I got home and I called my grandmother and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I have all this new knowledge about our family. Turns out we're not as boring as I thought. (laughs) And, um, you know, I said, do you still have that deck of cards? I would really love to have them. And she said, um, oh my gosh, no, 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 my my minister told me that those were of the devil. And so I burned those years ago. Uh, promise me you'll never get a deck of tarot cards. Oh, of oh, never, never. So I hung up the phone and my dad said, uh, well, what did grandma say? Uh, she said she can't find them. We should just buy some. <laughs> so uh, we went to Barnes & Noble and my dad bought me my first deck of tarot cards, which was, um, I think, the Universal Weight. Um, and um yeah i still have them and um that's kind of how it all started for me and and i i didn't ever they they kind of intimidated me because i thought oh my god there's so many cards um how will i ever be able to put down this you know this little pamphlet it comes with i'll never remember all these meanings this is you know just overwhelming and i would pull them out from time uh, now and then to just sort of like do a reading for myself or for a friend, but it was always so, um, I don't know, like it just didn't flow because I'd look at a card and look at the reading and then look at the, you know, and, and it just never kind of came together for me. And there was moments where it felt like it made sense, but, um, yeah, I kind of just dabbled in woo in general, um, from that point on. And, um, and I had a tarot card reading a few years ago, and in the reading, um, the woman who read my card said that I I had to, you know, she said you have a deck of tarot cards you got as a child, and you have to go home and dust them off. And what I need you to do is go sign up for a tarot class. And I was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> so I went home, and I, you know, I was thinking about that in the back of my mind. But my partner happened to be teaching. Um, a class at a friend's store in Durham and I was looking up the uh, information about his class and lo and behold your class um, for intuitive tarot popped up and I was like okay this is this just has to happen So, so I signed up for the class and it not only did the class like fully synthesize all those like random ideas and thoughts I had around tarot but it helped me sort of conceptualize it in a much more clear way um and so I was able to incorporate sort of storytelling and um not just relying on what the book says but following what my intuition tells me um and yeah and then I think it was that class that um our mutual friend whose uh store it was said something about you being from western mass and I was like no way and (laughs) you know I hear that all Yeah. And I always hear people say like, oh, I'm from Western Mass. Also, I'm from Worcester. I'm like, that's not
0: Western Mass. Nice try, but very far off.
1: Yeah. And so then when I saw that your phone number was the same area code of my like childhood home, I was like, okay, we can be type (laughs) you will get me
0: I don't remember what it was you said during the class but you made some reference that like had me just dying inside I was like this (laughs) is amazing and if I wasn't in a teaching capacity right now I would be nerding out so hard (laughs) I was like I really hope we can be friends later (laughs) and thankfully the stars aligned
1: Well, it's so beautiful hearing
0: your story Um, and I was you know, I, I knew your story, but for some reason, I was talking recently to someone about, like, what is it about, like, early puberty that gets people just drawn to tarot? Yeah. So it was really fun hearing, like, yeah, Lucas had the same timeline, too, because that was around when, yeah. when I got my first deck at a bookstore, Oh um, yeah my mom buy it for me <laughs> and uh and yeah do you have any theories around that like what is it about those like tween twilight years <clears throat> that gets people excited
1: i don't know but i i will say like you know like there was a an extra element to, to mine as well because like you know i grew up um in a unitarian universalist church uh-huh. and it was very woo and like very open there was a lot of like you would just show up on Sunday morning and people were like playing a tambourine in the hall and like doing yoga. And you know, of course childhood me was like, you get me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so seen. Hand me that tambourine right now. (laughs) Um, And our minister had set up a, a a viewing party to watch the documentary um, drawing down the moon.
0: Oh my um, gosh. That is too cool.
1: was that what it was called or maybe it was the burning times but it 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 focused on drawing down the moon and it that documentary was all about um like neo-paganism and the revitalization of like um like uh, goddess-based religions and earth-based religions and like 12 year old me like my brain just snapped and i was like this is who i am this is so cool um you know sitting in a a a musty old room with like eight other fully it was just like eight adults and then like 12 year old me (laughs) (laughs) you
0: were an old soul
1: I was like these are my people um and so I think that that was a part of it too because like that got my juices flowing and I I wanted to like read everything about anything related to that and so I think I, I don't know which came first to be honest um but I do think that that time period is like You know, there's all these mysteries of life that are kind of unfolding in other ways. And so I think we can use that to sort of look inwards and be like, what's something that I maybe can gain mastery of? Or like, you know, my body is like um, non-consensually like becoming (laughs) something new and I'm like not here for it. So like, what can I find in my life that maybe I can find control in? And I think woo is really... Like anything kind of witchy and fun, it's just like, it's, um there's all so much mystery surrounding it. And I think that makes it really like tantalizing, you know?
0: So true. And I think, you know, I I was just talking to someone about how we we're so uncharitable towards preteens and teenagers, but oh, yeah. it is a very magical, mysterious time. And I think, yeah, you're so spot on with like, your body is rebelling. And you're like, <laughs> who am I becoming? I mean, it is kind of like existentially shocking and challenging, yeah. like to go through puberty. And so I, I personally remember just being like, I'm feeling very mysterious, but also like out of control. <laughs> and yeah. I, when you were talking about, you know, like spellcraft or, you know, being interested in those things, I just thought of the magician card and tarot. And I loved like thinking about that as like teenagerhood where you're trying to like learn how to do things. And so much yeah. of a of, uh, wicked spellcraft and witchcraft is just like in my, in my kind of approach, it's like spiritual crafting. You're like, okay, like here's a concept, here's an idea, here's a desire I have. How can I make a ritual around it? How can I create something with my hands or with my actions? Um, Which is really so much fun and so engaging. Um, Yeah. (laughs) What were some of the early books that you you found?
1: Oh, Scott Cunningham. um, The... Uh, what was it called? Wicca, the solo practitioner, or something? Oh, I had uh, that one. The solitary practitioner. Ooh, that that like hit me in my my soul. And like, uh, you know, all the like basics, like Buckland's Guide to Witchcraft, which is that huge blue book that is like <laughs> not for a twelve year old.
0: It's you know? a lot to navigate. That
1: one, it's yeah. hefty. And here's the thing that comes into play with Western Massachusetts. Like, you pull that book out, and I, I promise you, like. Uh, two of your friends already are owning it you know like i remember i had like a little book club with one of my friends and she and i would be like let's get together and we'll read our Bucklands," you know and we would like go through it and like you know dog ear pages and be like is it Atham or athame i don't know you know cuz it was like it was long enough ago that youtube didn't exist so you couldn't just look up a video when you were confused about a pronunciation or or how to speak see someone perform those things. And so it really was this like um, experiential time of just being like, okay, like uh, screw it. I don't know how this works, but I'm going to just try, you know, I'm going to put in my best effort and see what we can come out with. Um, But it was, it was really an interesting time. And I mean, honestly, and I think that this is something we've talked about before is like, just like that culture is so steeped into. New England in general, but also like Massachusetts and, and Western Massachusetts. And um I think there's really like a an understanding, you know, like in in like just my my hometown, I, I could ask anybody about a haunted tell me a ghost story, and they would tell me. And even if they don't believe it, they still have a story to share. You know, there's still that like folkloric kind of component to it. And so I think it it's like Almost more acceptable in those environments, and I think there's areas like that throughout the country and the world that exist. You know, like New Orleans or you know other places that like have this energy or this vibe of, of you know creepiness or spookiness. And so you could say, oh yeah, I got a deck of tarot card, and nobody even bats an eye. Um, and so I think that's kind of uh, was really supportive in a, like a non-direct way to sort of like foster that exploration you know where I could I remember like being like on vacation with my parents in Cape Cod and being like oh mom I love this pentagram necklace And she's like okay do you want another one I mean like it was fully <laughs> <laughs> like fully like my parents giving me like crystal skulls and like pentagram necklaces and they didn't even like that did not ever bother them And it's like, I'm sure that is not most people's experience, but I think my parents were sort of like, it's less that I think that they were like, um, openly supportive and more that they were just sort of like YOLO, you know, (laughs) they they were like, before the times of YOLO,
0: they had the energy of YOLO.
1: (laughs) It was pre, pre YOLO. But you know, it was like latchkey parenting where they were like, we're going to give you this book or this, you know, deck of cards and then we're just gonna leave you here at home alone while we go off and work. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) I think you're really onto something with the New England, like how baked in this idea of like history and spirituality. I mean, if you think about the the Puritans, the all the religious extremists essentially who hightailed it on over there, all the wild things that happened and just comparatively, you know, having more of that documented white american quote-unquote history yeah. <laughs> active oh, yeah. over there but it definitely has like a very distinct energy to it that i always get nostalgic for this time yeah, of year this
1: time of year for sure
0: like waiting like, for that that chill and the the, the spookiness yeah. you know seeing the Put old your favorite
1: dead Dance, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. A, a, burn a candle some incense and you're like Oh God! I wish I was eating an apple cider donut in the mountains right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, I really do. Those are so Uh, good. They come in a pack of six, and you always eat the whole pack in one day. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh! I get I like I feel like I am only homesick during the fall, Um, and I just like crave New England. You know, and it's like I remember moving out of uh, Massachusetts. I moved to California. That was like the first big big move.
0: Well, you just went for it. That's like, (laughs)
1: like, just hop
0: into the other side.
1: (laughs) I'm getting out of here. And um, I, you know, sort of started conversations with people that you're trying to make friends with in the same way I was always used to. And I'd be like, hey, you got any creepy stories? (laughs) (laughs) And I would have all these ghost stories to share with people and people acted like I was out of my mind. And like for California to be so like open, I feel like, and I think things have changed and it depends on where in California you are. But, um, I was, it was not as accepted to just be like openly talking about ghost stories or ghosts or hauntings or, you know, whatever, um, in a group of people, like that was like, I don't know, like in, I felt like in Massachusetts I could be in any situation and bring that up and people would roll with it at least.
0: It's so true. And, you know, I think everyone, a lot of people lived in really ancient old houses, you know, oh, all yeah. this spooky history. Um, can you remember, like, what was one of the earlier ghost stories you heard when you were a kid or something that you were just like, Ooh. So uh,
1: exciting. Um, well, my, my kind of my whole town has like a um, haunted history uh, Cause it was one of the bloodiest battles between like the colonists and the native people. And the, it was just steeped in, in that, you know, bad juju, like just like all the, oh I don't know. It's just like, it was such a bad atrocity. And I think it kind of like really tainted the land. Um, so even though there was parts of my town, like my neighborhood was built in like 1982 but almost every house on that street was haunted. And, you know, when you would talk to people and, and there was like, always this time of year you, you would, you know, either with school or family, you'd go to like a haunted spooky something. And, um, oftentimes we had these like local storytellers and I remember them telling a story of, um, a family in my town and, you know, my town is very small. So, um, It's kind of one of those things where you're like, I don't know who they are, but they are probably only three blocks away. (laughs) And it was um, like a mother who uh, her two young sons shared a bedroom. And the one son kept in the middle of the night coming into her room and and crying and saying, you know, a man keeps walking through my room with his horse. And she was like, "Okay, that's a dream, you know, go back to bed. And then the next night, mom, mom, this man is walking his horse through my room again. I can't sleep. And so she said, okay, well, I'll sleep in your room with you just so that you can, you know, you'll know that it's safe. And so that night she slept in the room and she woke up when she saw the ghostly figure of a man, like a native American man walking uh, his horse through the bedroom. And she, you know, contacted the local historical society, society and, and, you know, they were able to pull up old maps and really ancient kind of things. And they found that her house was actually built on um, one of the main trails into that um, original sort of, I don't think it was where the native people like lived full time. I I think it was their summer hunting ground. Um, But she was, her home was like right on the trail. And um, I just remember as a kid being like, Oh my gosh! You can see someone like walking through your house. What would you even say? And that like, and and that that story was actually even told to me by my by my mom, who she had you know heard it through a um, a local historian, and to me that's even extra strange because my mother is like the least woo person, you know she doesn't believe in hauntings, ghosts, anything. Um, she will tell you our neighborhood is not haunted, but um the homes on the neighborhood are cursed.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting so, delineation. Haunting's yeah. no, curses yes.
1: <laughs> curses real, haunting fake. Um so yeah, I think as a kid, like that story just had so much um you know, there were specifics in the story that were really related to my town. And like there were elements of it that I was like, I remember, I know that street, you know, the, the bus goes by that street. I've seen um, this area of town. And just to think, like, oh, wow, this this could happen at my house, you know? Like, um, it didn't, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a really interesting one to me because, you know, so oftentimes ghost stories, the ones that are like more well known or popular, end up being pretty racist. So it's sort of like, yeah. no, only white ghosts matter. Like, we're not going to talk about right. the darker side of history, like the actual. Right. Legit large scale atrocities that happened. So that's really interesting that in your town that was a widespread story. Um, yeah, and it's also a very poignant image too. Just like those trails still mm-hmm. being traveled it reminds me of um, this this area where my grandparents lived in Hawaii, um, where my family's from, and it was said that that was a a path that would go by the house where the spirits would travel after dying. And oh. then they would ascend into the heavens at the end of the island. And so there were always family ghost stories of seeing people walking along that wow. path, um, hearing people chanting. And um, I didn't have any firsthand experiences that were that intense, but I always remember feeling in that bedroom in the corner of the house closest to that pathway, um, this sense of like, ooh, Active. Yeah, I'm very alert in here. I don't feel so yeah. so comfortable. Um,
1: well, I, I, I love ghost stories. There's, I think, there's also areas that you just you don't even have to see a ghost or experience a haunting, but you you know, like you you can feel it in your body. You're like something here energetically is different, you know, and it's like this like heightened tingly awareness where you're just sort of like oh, okay, I should pay closer attention, you know, or maybe I should like listen a little more intently or I feel like you come across those places. And then it's always interesting when it's followed with someone saying like, well, actually, you know, this has a, a history of, and you're like, of course it does, you know?
0: That's so, sometimes that's so you fascinating. Feel it. You really do. And I think, you know, I don't have like a unified theory around, Sure. Ghosts? Are they real? What's the deal? Like, what's my
1: like? I thought that was the name of this podcast.
0: <laughs> Anyone watches Ghosts BoJack? Are they Horseman? real? What's the deal?
1: doesn't
0: <laughs> <That's laughs> makes me think of that. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's my new spinoff show. It will be wildly <laughs> popular and specific.
1: <laughs> I've already subscribed.
0: <laughs> but you know, I think for people who are more like sensitive or have that awareness, like you do, sense differences and. It's interesting to me, you know, like being a tarot reader, being anyone who's like out as not in the like mainstream, spiritually speaking, is like you just get people talking to you about things. And in this really like confessional way, I wonder if you've had this experience too, where it's like someone who definitely isn't identifying as believing in ghosts or spirits Mm -hmm. or an afterlife, anything will almost kind of like (laughs) abashedly come up like, can I oh, yeah. tell you about this one thing that happened to me, or like, <laughs> yeah. like how about this story? And it's like, yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, oh, yeah. But everyone has one of those stories, which is something I'm everyone. so curious about. You know, everyone that's, has had an experience at least once, and in, in in all the different shades, you know, of like straight totally. on, like I'm seeing something I shouldn't be seeing, or like it just felt off in that place.
1: Yeah, I feel like you know, in my job, I um, spend a lot of time talking one-on-one with people and I feel like I'm kind of this like weird gatekeeper for creepy stories (laughs) and it's totally selfish it's just because I like them and I want to hear them and so you know I might have someone talking about something completely oh like what are your plans for Thanksgiving and I'm like have you ever seen a Thanksgiving ghost you know I'm just (laughs) like tell me your spookiest Thanksgiving story cause I just want to hear it and it it really is true. Like um, I feel like there is this confessional kind of element to it where people will sort of like, you know, look around, make sure no one's eavesdropping and say like, Oh, well actually, you know, I one time this happened to me and it's so interesting to sort of hear that. And, and I think when you, the, like, um, like for me personally, the person who's like, um, starting that conversation, it sort of, like, opens the door and says, like, this is okay, this is acceptable, I'm telling you that, like, this is a safe space for you to to be open about this, and maybe say something that might feel vulnerable for people, or, you know, sometimes people feel, like, silly about telling a story, oh, because it makes me sound, you know, um, like, uneducated, or, you know, I don't know. Like some kind of cretin to believe in something I can't prove with science. And it's like no, this is the fun of the mystery. Like you know, some of that stuff isn't real, but like that doesn't mean that there isn't something that you can learn or experience from it. Mm-hmm. And I just love having that sort of dialogue where it's like, I I have absolutely no problem sounding like a complete asshole, and so I'm like... <laughs> it's an <laughs> I'm important like, trait in
0: life yeah, to just go, like, I think go this there. Is also.
1: It's also a Massachusetts thing, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> they do call us mass for a reason. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get that for nothing. Um, but I, I don't have any fear of, like, looking silly. And so I feel like I often use that as a way to sort of show people, like, look, it's okay. Like, I can tell you the story and, like, I'm not expecting you to believe it. But I know that it's true for me. And if you have something to share, like, I want to hear it, you know? And that's I think really that's beautiful. really fun. It's just, really it's fun. a It's a cool way to, to connect with someone that you might not have anything in common with, you know, because in, in my line of work, I might meet someone and never see them again. And, you know, they sit in my chair and I immediately can tell we have nothing in common, you know, and I'll just be like, Oh, okay, well, uh, tell me a spooky story, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it it's, it, it's just interesting. It's kind of like uh, ghost stories are the great equalizer, you know?
0: Mm, I really, really love that. And I think, it, yeah, it's always intrigued me how free-flowing they are. Like, all you have to do is just crack that door a little bit, extend the invitation, and people are yeah. just ready to share. And I, while you were talking, I was kind of having this idea. I was like, I wonder, you know, if there's something about the fact that it's like an unmediated spiritual experience, like, it's just between the person and whatever mm-hmm. it is they're seeing or experiencing. There's no like religious mediator. There's right. no like, there's no point of translation. It's direct. And so, you know, so many of our, you know, religious traditions are like super spooky and strange, you know, or mythology. Yeah. And so there is something like, I guess what I was really picking up when you're talking is like, yeah, the vulnerable space that you go into. To share mm-hmm. a ghost story or to share an encounter that you've had, even if you're not sure of how to categorize it.
1: Um, yeah. Cause it can be really private, you know? Yeah. And I think there's two kinds of ghost stories. There's the ones that you kind of keep to yourself because you might be embarrassed or, uh, you know, worried that you might be seen as less professional if you tell someone. Um, and then there's the more like campfire tale, you know? And I think they both have like such a good place in our, um, like in the big picture because it's like I, I've always thought that like from the folklore perspective that some of these like big ghost stories actually are a way to sort of be a time capsule for a historical event where it's mm-hmm. like oh well this house is haunted because you know this um, prominent fisherman had gone out to sea and his wife stood on the balcony waiting for him every day and now you see her you know and I think if you pick those things apart, it's like actually giving you this um, snapshot of what life looked like for those people at that time. And it's not always about a big event, but I think it can give you these sort of like, oh, you know, this might have been the reality for a lot of families at that time. And, and maybe there's something about this that kind of caught the attention of people because it was a shared fear of their spouse not coming back or, you know, and so I think you know, there's there's ghost stories that I d- believe are actual experiences, and I think there's ghost stories that are more uh, a a story, like a, a a method of storytelling. You know, and I think they're both really valid, but for different reasons.
0: Yeah. So the idea of like ghost stories as like a a signpost or a connecting point, which really mm-hmm. makes me think about another big theme of this time of year is like connection to the ancestors. So yeah. if we were to do spiritual bingo, we would be getting the, the connection or the veil between this world and the next at its thinnest. I
1: uh, love saying lim- that. Liminal space, please.
0: <laughs> How about um, letting go of what no longer serves you? Um, Ooh, it's
1: gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think that, you know, a lot of ghost stories do have that like, intimacy in terms of you know our connection to the dead and the people that mm-hmm. we were close to or our family was close to even like generationally going really far back I love that
1: yeah. example
0: I've also my mom is really into ghost stories and there was totally Ooh. one that involved a, a ghostly woman waiting for her sea captain husband to return yeah they never returned yeah. from the sea man it's dangerous out there
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a rough place <laughs> Yeah. Do you
0: have any practices around this time of the year that you like to enjoy I know with uh with covid it's it's I personally feel kind of thrown off of my game in terms of like yeah. rituals or a lot of that stuff
1: I I'm sort of like um I don't really have like set things that I do I'm not really like um I don't plan things in advance like that <laughs> but I do feel like there are things for me that I have to do this time of year and like one of them is carved pumpkins and it's like if I don't carve a pumpkin like it's done it just it's it's like really devastating and so yeah and it's that's that's been a long time um tradition for my partner and I as well and I I just love you know creating even if it's not like specifically like a religious or a a woo tradition. Like it does have roots in there and like, yeah, like we will carve together and listen to like a really creepy podcast and we, we set it up. So like, we can't see what each other is doing. And then the big reveal is not until nightfall and the uh, candles are in the pumpkin. So it's like, we're kind of secretly working in front of each other and and then, yeah, we we both have to wait to see the big reveal. So That's
0: amazing. Also, that's, like, very thought out and, like, next level. I'm impressed. I really <laughs> like this tradition.
1: <laughs> I think it started mostly out of competition. Like, it was, like, <laughs> your, your pumpkin's going to suck. Oh, yeah, my pumpkin's going to rule. And Oh, yeah, well, then don't look at me. And so, you know, you start carving. And then it was, like, at the end, we were both, like, whoa, this is so fun to, sort of, like, see this process as it goes. And it's... It's, there's no longer any competition, you know, it's just sort of like, we're both having a lot of fun and, and every year is a little different. Like it might be more serious one year or the, it might be like a typical jack-o'-lantern and, you know, but I think for me, that's kind of like my tradition. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm always interested in, in like connecting more with ancestor stuff, but I feel like um, I don't have a really great connection with, my like actual ancestors that i know you know like the people from my family that have passed i I'm, there's only a couple i feel very connected to and i kind of feel like out of respect for them i think the two of them would be like oh lucas don't get into this yeah well no i think they'd just be the least approving of me doing something like so absolutely not in line with their religious values so I'm like, oh, man, those are the two I like the most. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I, I've been kind of trying to hold space around like the idea that not all ancestors are blood relations, you know, and there's a lot of ancestors for all of us that are, you know, spiritual only and not actually um, blood related. So I think that's something I'm trying to, to incorporate more in, in this time of year. I just am, am stumbling with how I actually achieve that.
0: You know i I do feel like the area of like ancestral connection is is missing some di- just like hard discussions around, yeah, like you know not all ancestors maybe want to be part of those rituals, yeah. and, and also like not all ancestors may have your best interests in mind, you know we right. like a lot of family histories are pretty complex and have some some real some skeletons in those closets so yeah you know some
1: ancestors suck
0: yeah straight up <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff back there um yeah and but no i definitely this time of the year sort of realize how like missing we are in those like more like cozy rituals where it's just mm. like oh like just inviting people in, you know, or, or yeah. bringing out the photos, whatever that may be. And yeah, so many, so many times I'm like, Oh, I have to be really conscious of this to make it happen. Otherwise, you know, I think that's one thing I just really struggle with and how fast paced life is, 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 wanting to do all of these commemorations and rituals and special yeah. foods. And I just like, oh, but I'm also tired. And <laughs> there's a lot of holy days in all the different oh, yeah. traditions I'm working in. And
1: oh. it's,
0: it's overwhelming.
1: So do you have something that you um, tend to do this time of year?
0: You know, like you, I'm pretty fly by the seat of my pants. Like I've yeah. noticed, like I need to be able to improvise. Um, if I try to make a hard and fast plan, I end up stumbling over it and it's really awkward Mm. or it just doesn't happen. So, you know, but I think with COVID, it's been challenging for me because usually I'm really more social this time Mm. of the year. Like I love having a huge Halloween party and like burning things with groups of people um, in a (laughs) non-creepy sacrificial (laughs) way. own category. (laughs) (laughs) No live animals in the fires, just my tax returns from a long time ago which is yeah. much more satisfying um that. <laughs> but uh but yeah so this year I'm, I'm feeling the time the clock ticking i'm like oh i need to yeah. i need to do this um
1: it's also weird because this year is unseasonably warm oh yeah and so i'm like is it fall i'm wearing shorts you know
0: i'm not How happy do they do about it in it? florida I don't know i I, you know who we could go down so many different paths right now but (laughs) i always wonder about like climate and how it impacts like tradition and magic you know like where you're raised what what that has because like new england is just very distinct seasons and so whenever i would live in another place whose seasons were different you know like spending time in hawaii and being like oh this is there's there's no, it's like the wind. Like I'm paying attention to the trade winds when I'm there, Yeah. <laughs> but I don't get like the leaves changing or any of that. And even though I've lived yeah. in North Carolina for like seven years now, I still feel aligned with the seasons of new England.
1: Totally. Me too. I think it's hard to break that because it's like, you know, that's what for as long as you live there was the, the normal, you know, that was what you're sort of like, internal seasonal clock is aligned to. So you're like, this is what the season's supposed to look like. Why doesn't it, you know? And I, I think, yeah, it's there's like moments where like yesterday it felt chilly and I was like, oh my gosh, do I, should I do something right now? Because what if tomorrow is 85? You know, like tomorrow's not going to be fall, you know, but it's like, it's still fall. It just, there's something inside of me that's like having a very hard time accepting it <laughs> like i don't want to eat a hot ass apple apple cider donut in 85 degree weather
0: no you just don't yeah. it just doesn't it feel doesn't right the
1: same yeah <laughs> you're supposed to be chilled and wearing like two scarves
0: oh i know i have so many sweaters that are just like languishing <laughs> in my drawers right now it's it's really upsetting it's um, hard <laughs> Well, speaking People of traditions, <laughs> one thing that we have done for a long time. So in addition to taking my class that fateful day a long mm. time ago now, um, Lucas is also like the kind of essentially co-host of, of this meetup that we used to do back in the before times um, called Tarot Club because I thought it sounded cool, and I was not in many <laughs> clubs as a youth. <laughs> I, I really always wanted to have like those like satin jackets, um, oh, which yeah. I, it's like, and we should do that, but they're very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I looked yeah. into it.
1: I was in 4-H, but not long enough to get the satin jacket. And that that's really my biggest regret in my entire life.
0: That's so crushing I mean, I did so many things just for the outfits. Like, that's why I played field hockey for a season, because I just wanted to wear a plaid kilt and, like, run around, even though I have pretty bad asthma. But, um... <laughs> so, in this tarot club, which was just sounded cool, it was not exclusive at all, but we would do collective readings together, um... And actually this would be fun because I feel like you have really good insights on this. Um, but what are like, what is your, what are your thoughts on reading tarot? And like, what would you say to someone who is curious about picking up the cards or maybe kind of new in their practice or frustrated with their practice? Like,
1: yeah. Well, I think um, I'm just like, the things that I feel like I learned that unlocked it for me are really the things that I learned in your class.
0: Lucas, you're just buttering me up over here. <laughs> this is not looking very uh, <laughs> like. There's a lot of uh, division between I'm
1: podcast biased. and
0: advertisement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like for me, what I would tell someone is don't let yourself get overwhelmed, and you know, don't don't look at it as seventy-eight individual cards. Break it up into smaller groups, and you know, it's like nibble at it don't don 't take a huge bite, just work on it slowly. I um started doing a uh, journaling where every morning I would wake up and I would shuffle my deck and I would pull a card just for the day, just one and I would really sit with that one card and sort of use what I learned from that class. okay, what do I see in this picture? Um, what is the story that this picture is telling me? What am I learning from this and then I would write what I was um, sort of getting off of that card. And every day I would do that. And it was sort of like I was creating a personal relationship with each card. I wasn't looking into the book. I was just looking at what I saw. And so I almost was creating like my own personal vocabulary and, um, using that. And then also, you know, if I did a reading for someone and I pulled some cards that I wasn't super familiar with, um, I was able to sort of like feel more familiar just by using the same tools. So sort of saying like visually, what am I seeing? If, if I have three cards laid out in front of me, is there a theme here? Do I see um, a color that's going through each card? Does each card have water on it? Um, you know, what are these elements and then sort of like nibbling at it in that way, like piece by piece, do I see something? It's almost like those, um, you know, can you spot the difference puzzles? Totally. <laughs> but in like the opposite way where you're like, okay, what's familiar? What what are the things that these share? And then you kind of build this relationship between those cards in front of you and you can see how they interplay. And I think it makes it a lot more fun. It it doesn't make it so like, okay, it's got to be by the book. I've got to show you this. I've got to, you know, because uh, every now and then if, if I do readings for people, I do have that in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm worried that they're, what if they look it up? What if, you know, what if they look up three of cups and they're like, what (laughs) this is, you know, this, this is so different, but it's like, I think sometimes those cards take on totally new meanings based on what other cards are paired with them. And, you know, you have to allow that to happen. Um, So I think what I would say is like, don't hold yourself to being so rigid and, let it be fun and um yeah don't don't let it overwhelm you uh, overwhelm you for like 30 years like i did so
0: <laughs> <laughs> i do feel like um, there's a prerequisite like years of overwhelm in tarot or right? maybe we just learned like pre internet <laughs> where like there weren't as many resources but I personally spent like probably like seven to ten years being like super overwhelmed by it all yeah. and uh, it's it's a lot to take in and um, but one thing I've, I've always really loved and appreciated your reading style because you are so adept at like being in the moment with the cards and the person you're reading for which is mm-hmm. really beautiful to see because it is such a like interaction um, both with the cards, yeah. the person, yourself, it's, it, and it changes all the time. But I, I was laughing when you're saying like, you know, what if they go and look at the book and I'm like, depending <laughs> on the book they look at, like they're going to get oh, that's true. so many different interpretations, Yeah. which I think really yeah. frustrates people too, because they're like, <laughs> is there any consensus yeah. spoiler alert is, no
1: is anything real <laughs>
0: sometimes I feel like I'm going to sound like that guy at the party in college he's like but what even is real yeah, um,
1: <laughs> yeah man <laughs> <laughs>
0: Inhales <Yeah>,
1: joint <laughs> I think the thing too is like um I because I remember doing a reading at Tarot club and something came out of this reading that I was like I know this card and I know what this card means, but every fiber of my being is telling me something completely different. And I think you have to let yourself just let go, you know, and be like, you know, just be a conduit and just like feel what you're feeling. Cause like it ended up for that person being totally spot on. Like, you know, I saw this card and I was like, Oh, you're, making a career choice to decide if you're going to work in women's health and the person was like yes I think I might go to school to be a doula and I was like cool but it was like that card was not what that card meant (laughs) you know but it was like that's what that card told me and it doesn't make sense and like every time I see that card I laugh because I'm like you slippery little thing like (laughs) you know it's like I think you have to un- be willing to unlearn every time you look at the card. You
0: know? Oh, that's gorgeous. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, why I loved tarot club and and you know why reading for other people has been such a joy for me is that you really have to do those tarot trust falls, you know, like yeah. I, I was so like academic about it when I started. And then, but There was so much safety in that you know i could always just like look through my well-thumbed copy of 78 degrees of wisdom and basically like well rachel pollock says (laughs) (laughs) but i I had a that's a great anecdote and it reminded me of this one time when i was reading in a bar i was just starting to like read for other people like a lot and i was reading for this man um who i didn't know at all and there was this card, I think it was the Empress, but the way that it was in the spread made me be like, okay, so I don't know you at all, but he was asking about careers like there's something going on with like melding the erotic with the professional and Whoa. i don't know if this is going to resonate with you at all <laughs> and then he told me that he was writing um really as it turned out like successful um erotic fan fiction online Whoa. and that this was like taking off far more than his other uh sources of income and he was wondering whether to like pursue it further
1: that's like, amazing it was that's like
0: amazing. It felt like a big <laughs> trust fall because I was like, "Yeah, he was wearing like <laughs> a cowboy hat indoors at like eleven at night." So I, I mean, felt like we were vibing, but
1: you can go anywhere with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was so cool to be like, "Okay, you know, you just really have to have to try." And the worst thing that can happen is someone will just be like, "No, that doesn't,
1: yeah, that doesn't land." And I'm uh, like, that's another thing that happened to me in Tarot Club. I gave someone a reading and it did not land. And it was like, you know, I kept seeing all these um, like coins and I was like, oh, okay, career, money. So I read from that perspective and I was like, how's that? And they were like, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, very cool. And then I, I like took a second and like recalibrated And I was like, okay, what else could this mean? It's not just career and money, like coins can also be earth and physical body. And so I was like, uh, okay. And then I read it as like physical body and it completely made sense, you know? And it was like, the cards didn't change. It was just my interpretation changed. Mm. And it's like just that sort of, I think you have to be willing to hear that feedback and have someone say like this isn't working. And it doesn't mean that you did a bad job. It just might mean, you know, those cards are, they're slippery and you might have to just like look at it from a different angle and, you know, and try that. And yeah.
0: That's a great example. Cause yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people that the unfortunate thing about <clears throat> the history of tarot or like the pop culture history of it is mm-hmm. that a lot of people think it is just straight up fortune telling. And so yeah. you get that, expectation of like well tell me something i don't know about or that no one else in this world would know about and i'm just gonna wow you with this like crazy
1: accurate specific sort of it's like a parlor mole in the shape of a star um, (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so
0: you know it's it's not like that and i love how you highlighted that you know you're really dialoguing with the other person and you're dialoguing with the cards and they are slippery. You know, they're not, it's not yeah. a system where you're like, you know, star means happy. Star right. plus three of swords means happy to sad. I'm right. cards. Ooh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, I also had brought someone to Tarot Club one time who was very much a noob. And, you know, she was really nervous because she had never taken one of your classes. She was you know, had never, I don't think, read for anyone except for like one or two of her friends. And we broke off into reading groups. And I was like, oh, you can give me a reading. And her reading was so spot on. And I think that's the thing that as a new tarot reader, you have to allow yourself to understand that it's not always with experience comes, you know, talent, or um, I think you can be brand new. And that naiveness actually can help open you into something completely different because you don't have those fixed ideas yet.
0: Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I've seen that a lot. And it's been it's always a really tender space when people are yeah. are nervous and, and you know just oh, need that Karo permission. Club. I know. I miss it so much now. But <laughs> anyway, my long winded introduction back then, I don't <laughs> think I actually ever concluded <laughs> was that both This is a wonderful synchronicity is that, you know, this is a very new podcast and I'm trying not to put too many um, restrictions on it because that's not how I work well. But one thing that I thought would be really fun to do was to draw cards or talk about a card with each guest. And then when Lucas and I were were debriefing before we started recording, you mentioned the exact same idea. So we're going to do a little bit of... A live, live tarot exploration together. (laughs) Um, So what did you pull, Lucas?
1: I actually, um, this I think was a real surprise for me. And I, it made me very happy. I pulled the page of cups. Ah. um, And for me, that has a lot of significance because when I took um, the the class, I keep uh, plugging uh, (laughs) intuitive tarot. (laughs) <laughs> um, formerly
0: at indio durham
1: right postponed <laughs> for now indefinitely um, and the card that i chose as my significator in in that class um was the page of cups and so every time i see that card that reminds me of you and it reminds me of that class and that sort of experience um and yeah it's such a tender card to me because not only did i um, meet you in this class but I met our good friend Bree in this class and um, I think like this this card really symbolizes a lot of that like good feeling for me and um, mm-hmm. also you know I think that there there is that sort of like naiveness of the page that I think is really tender you know just sort of like willing to um, to be open and, 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 and exploratory and kind and sweet you know
0: yeah, it's really making me think of what you were just talking about. It's like that willingness to to sound silly or to, yeah. to make a mistake or to interpret a card in a way that doesn't resonate, but then to just keep going because yeah. you can always be connected to that source. And that card, I remember being really excited when you chose that one because it just really, I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> um, and then the classic imaging of it, you know, it's like, one of the cutest pages i'm biased but like i just love the people you want to
1: talk to a you want to talk to a fish in a cup you go ahead i know
0: there's a little fish coming out (laughs) of the cup and they're just like having this moment gazing at each other but it's just very like pure and beautiful and and i think that's a really nice way to look at you know exploring woo or you know spirituality magic Mm. however Wherever you're being called to go, like this, this kind of loving curiosity um, and dialogue. Um, yeah, and it's really fun too because I drew the sun. Um, yeah, which is it's really funny. So. I definitely didn't feel like the sun when I started recording this because I was very tired, (laughs) a little grumpy, we'll be honest. Um, But I totally feel like this card right now. Um, Oh, good. And I think that's been such a beautiful energy that's come through in this interview. Is like just being really unabashedly openly yourself Um, and having that like, exploratory, fun, but also like very deep approach to life, um, which I feel like has really come through in all the stories you shared, Lucas, like this Mm. just like openness um, that takes a lot. Because what I love about the sun is like, yeah, it's a naked baby and a horse. But like we're towards we the, I know. <laughs> we all are on the inside. And like the message of this card to just be really obnoxious about my naked baby metaphor is that like, you know, it takes a lot as an adult to show up again in that state yeah. of vulnerability and to draw power from it. So the sun is really an advanced level card and it's right towards the end of the major arcana. So we really have to choose to show up like that in order to to further our journey um but so much joy and wonder comes with it um yeah oh i love the sun now i'm feeling it's
1: such a good card
0: it is (laughs) just
1: looking at it makes you feel like better
0: right i know and it's funny too because the the baby is like having the time of his life the horse seems really chill but then the sun the sun's face (laughs) Indifferent. It's like
1: <laughs> take it or leave it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, it's actually reminding me of the um, the sun and the Teletubbies. Don't ask me why. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes tarot jogs some weird associations up there. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Well, this was so lovely, Lucas. I'm yeah. so delighted. Um, it was so fun. I know, and you know, I hope too in the future. You, know, you used to have a, an Instagram presence that was amazing. <laughs> But hopefully it will, it will reappear one day when you feel we'll called to, and I'll, yeah. I'll share it with
1: everyone. I did start doing some um, readings again, and I, I brought that name back for the, my email. So I was like, maybe I will bring my Instagram account back. We'll see.
0: Well, I hope you do, because it was, it was quality, and I was following a lot of them. So <laughs> I don't just say that lightly. <laughs>
1: If you want to uh, hear my ramblings on the tower, you know, keep your eye out for uh, my Instagram account.
0: <laughs> Which is dot, dot, dot.
1: Well, I don't know. It, I don't know if someone's you don't have to it share yet. yet.
0: Oh, no, no. no. Someone approached me for one of the handles I was sitting on that was really <gasps> a stupid, stupid handle. Um,
1: was it um, Oprah 2? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bet Oprah 1 through like 99 has
1: been taken. <laughs> do, do you, do you ever think that? I remember like, you know, because I'm such a child in the 90s when the internet was like so fresh, there was like all these people who were like, I'm going to buy all these domains and get rich.
0: Totally. Totally. <laughs> this is why that... I bought
1: uh, incandescent taros with a it's plural. <laughs> what about a Z? <laughs> with a Z. And it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, dot biz.
0: Dot <laughs> biz. <laughs> it was that so and Beanie Babies.
1: Some, yeah. I know who to come to. I'm ready to retire, Gina. Hit me up.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Lucas. And hopefully we'll have you back because I feel like we barely touched on like, this is just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg in terms of was- wisdom and shenanigans.
1: <laughs> it was such a pleasure and I always love having a chance to chat with you. Oh.
0: Till next time.
1: <laughs> Until next time.
0: Today's question comes from listener Ruby, and it's a really, really good one. Ruby asks, what does it mean when a specific card keeps coming up in readings? For the past few months now, every time I do a reading for myself, once, maybe twice a month, I always get the three of swords, whether I pull it myself or it just falls out of the deck. It seems obvious that there's a message here. It's definitely not a fun card to be getting, so I'm trying to understand what this could mean any guidance will be much appreciated. Thank you so much for reaching out, Ruby. And I have a lot of experience with these, and it's really interesting because pretty much anyone who starts reading tarot will bump into the phenomenon of stalker cards. Now, this phrase has been pretty widespread for a while now. I find it a little creepy and ominous, but for, for ease of communication, we're just going to stick with it for this episode. <laughs> and if anyone thinks of a better, less spooky phrase for it, let me know, because I would love to replace it with something else. Inevitably, when we do readings for ourselves, there will be cards that pop up a lot. And this is one of the mysteries of tarot. Even the most skeptical people will come to me and be like, this is happening. What's going on? It's a really fun invitation to dive deeper and to kind of stretch our ideas of what's possible. Think about what tarot is telling us. And oftentimes, tarot is not at all subtle. So, this is an instance when we get really insistent, persistent, repetitive messages. I've had a lot of friends and myself personally get frustrated because you keep on seeing these cards show up again and again. And even if you know them really well, you may feel just the sense of, oh my gosh, okay, so I thought I had a handle on the Eight of Wands. Why is it just showing up again and again and again? I really believe that these stalker cards, these repeats, are moments when we're asked to go really, really deep into the meaning of a card to pioneer new understanding of what is behind them, what they may be communicating with us. And usually this is also an invitation to find out something a little outside of the book, something that maybe isn't as evident from traditional meanings, from what you can find on the internet, that we really have to look to our personal experience to understand. Of course, this also means that the energy represented by the card is really active and important so it holds a key for us understanding it is crucial and it is really present and it's been present for quite some time so if we pay attention to the readings that we do for ourselves we'll see these cyclings sometimes they're a little more open-ended or broad for example just getting a lot of one group of cards going through a swordsy period But for you, you have the Three of Swords, and it is just there everywhere. (laughs) And it's interesting that you have that particular card, because I will say, in my professional practice right now, that card has been really active. And I'm always kind of keeping a little bit of a pulse on which cards are just in the air. For some reason, there will be a a season for a certain tarot card. Um, For a while, it was Temperance. And now it's the Three of Swords. So we're on the same wavelength. (laughs) You're not alone. And a lot of my clients are getting that card as well. So you have a really cool experience that you can ease into here because, yeah, the Three of Swords is not a card that you would choose for yourself if you were to make a reading consciously. For those listening, it is a brutal image, like a lot of the Swords cards are. We have a cartoonish bright red heart in the center of the card with three swords stabbed into it and some clouds in the background, raining down rain. And the whole background is this very lackluster beige color. So the red heart is commanding all the attention and there's three swords in there. You really can't turn away from that image. If I were you, I would be looking into first how the traditional understanding of that card is showing up in your life. And then secondly, how maybe that's not quite fitting the situation. Looking for discomfort in tarot is actually a really nice way to push beyond things. So, you know, if it's not quite fitting, follow that. Follow that maybe sense of irritation of like, oh gosh, this card again. What do you mean? And I think it's really nice to have a two-pronged approach So one is like consciously examining, thinking, processing. It can be really nice to journal about it, really give that card a lot of attention. And the second is to just live your life and observe what's happening. Sometimes the meaning of a stalker card will really show up in retrospect. So when we look back on a phase or when our life can kind of have enough distance to to be a phase where we can observe it. It's like, oh, that was a distinct chapter. Then we can see what facet of that card was coming through. And sometimes it's pointing you towards a very specific something, either something that happened in the past that you really need to deal with, or that is really pertinent to your given situation, or an event that you have yet to experience or are currently experiencing that could benefit from the wisdom of that card. So you kind of have two things going on here is you have a tarot mystery, understanding the stalker card, and you also have an invitation to soften the edges around a traditionally very challenging card, the Three of Swords. I'm wondering for you if since you didn't mention anything Three of Swordsy, that was really obvious... And like the card is, you know, we tend to know what it's talking about, if it's something that we have experienced in the, you know, present moment or is very close to us. So there may be something a little tricky here, maybe a little hidden three of swords. And this can tap into a facet of that card in that it can often speak to past hurts that are being activated in the present. So that's another little breadcrumb trail that you could follow if it sounds resonant for you. But to zoom out, I would say enjoy as much as you can the mystery of this stalker card because it will stop showing up in your readings. And I find that when it does, it signifies a really important accomplishment that we have really worked through something, integrated some wisdom, and that either that wisdom is becoming clear, is already clear, or will really resonate over the long term. A lot of tarot requires some patience, but you're really brushing up against one of the central, fun, and alluring mysteries of reading. Thank you so much for submitting this question. And for you listeners who would like to submit a question either about tarot, spirituality, intuition, or magic, please go to incandescenttarot.com slash reader. You can also ask a question about life itself, and I can answer those with a mini-reading here on the podcast as well.